Down at 10. Pick it back. Here comes the rush. They've got him sack number one. Hassan Reddick for five and a half of the season. Wow. Mahomes looks to throw it. Pump faking right side. He wants it. A comeback cut. It is caught by Kelsey. Touchdown, Kansas City. One of the greatest duos in the history of the National Football League. What's up, everybody, and welcome back into episode three of Canton Bound. We've done it. We made it to three. I thought two might just be an aberration, but they let us back for three. I think we're in. I think we're in. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy, my good partner, the other half of the 4D Chess Podcast, the other half of South Harmon, the other half of everything I do, anything, anything I do anymore. Adam, what is up, buddy? How are you today? I'm doing fantastic, man. Uh... It's a good day. We're recording this on a Monday. Can't bound episode three. Um, before you know it, that'll be. It's feel like it's so long ago. But right now, every single one of these episodes, you know, just making sure they're they're leaving the light on for us. And uh, so far, so good. <laughs> we haven't said anything. They got it kicked out yet. So nope. just keep that going. <laughs> we keep that good one going. We appreciate everybody tapping in. And of course, we will get the uh, particulars out of the way. If you haven't signed up for the campus to Canton.com yet, you haven't signed up. You don't have access to all the incredibly dope tools that they have over there all the articles everything going on and of course that that juicy juicy discord ask, access where you can get all that real-time knowledge base just dropped on you at a given notice perfect time for you to go use promo code south harmon s-o-u-t-h-h-a-r-m-o-n look at me out here spelling did it 10 percent off your initial sign up at campuscanton.com so go hit that up but adam let's dive right into it let's get the people what they want we teased it a little bit last week but today we're going to talk about rebuilding your dynasty teams early and why these first couple weeks are so important if you had this direction in mind that you needed to rebuild reload retool however you want to say it your dynasty squads adam the first point i'll make and we'll touch on this we are finally finally here here we are monday we have a full slate of games that have already happened. We got fantasy points. We're only waiting on one more game, right? Bills, Jets tonight, Monday Night Football. But we got actually fantasy points. You go to that app, whatever you're using, Sleeper, Fantrax, ESPN, CBS, Yahoo, <laughs> doesn't matter. It's showing you whether you're winning or losing. It's showing you what the players are scoring in your leagues. And I think that psychology right there, that one right there, where you can actually see fantasy points on the board, changes that dynamic entirely if you have been looking to rebuild your dynasty squad so what do you think about that you in agreement with it does that change everything just uh you get to see that derrick henry put up you know let's just say 18 points i don't know exactly how many it is and it's going to be league scoring dependent but puts up 18 points on the week oh shit uh, maybe derrick henry's not dead maybe i should actually buy into derrick henry if you're a contending team and if i'm on the rebuilder side that's that's exactly what i was hoping for thank you <laughs> Yeah, I think I think what it does is to, to the point you're making, you know, all off season you, you kind of end up getting typically 
Um, in a lot of leagues, it, it eventually gets stale. And it's not that people aren't even interested. Uh, sometimes there's disinterest, right? Sometimes it's just inactive. But the, because there's no activity that's actually, to your point, scoring points, there's no weekly matchup. There's no really, outside of tracking something like a, a chart of dynasty value, there's no gauge on whose teams are doing what and what that means in the win-loss column. So even if you're you know wanting to rebuild and you're having a hard time moving players for picks in the offseason or for younger players, you're having a hard time getting those deals done, you know, maybe one of the contending teams played another pretty solid team and they either won by the skin of their teeth or they lost and maybe they were planning on Cooper Cup or Travis Kelsey playing and now they're not playing and they're they're having to play catch a motor chase what everyone else is doing and they're seeing, you know, as much as it's really gross to try to buy a Derrick Henry type in the offseason. Unless you're really wanting to lean into this crusty build and you know that if I win, I don't care how many years I end up losing, it's not a sexy piece to buy in the offseason. So when those, when those guys are playing and you see to your point like a Derrick Henry all of a sudden 15, 20 touches again, even if the offense doesn't look good, you're like, all right, maybe I, maybe I can actually pay what that person was asking that I didn't want to pay in the offseason. I think there's a lot of different scenarios between injuries and points scored that give you an opportunity to make a deal done like that now where maybe you couldn't a month ago or even a week ago. Some of the other things too, like we'll we'll dive into some deeper some deeper strategy talk topics later, but one thing I've noticed and I can actually say with certainty works, right? We'll we'll talk about the Kiwi horde, I'm sure, in an episode down the road, but all off season, you know, if you're the person who's hoarding these quarterbacks in super flex leagues you know dealing with other people sometimes it's hard because they can't really see that and i got a league adam where having qb horton haven't really moved him yet and there's a lot of teams in this league that i know like desperately probably want one you get to week one and you see that you're getting six points out of your super flex spot <laughs> everybody else there's other people in the league getting 20 25 from crappier quarterbacks isn't that kind of a wake-up call where you go hmm i might need a quarterback so if you're in that it's sure. almost like if you're in a position of rebuilding or you're doing one of these strategies with like qb horde now you have the leverage right and early in the season i think it's most important to capitalize on that leverage now that you have it right you didn't have it leading up not everybody would buy in or be on board but now the fantasy points are being scored. You're the one with the leverage. You're the one who's willing to part with assets that are going to score fantasy points in 2023, and especially ones that are scoring fantasy points early in 2023. Now's the time. So what's that look like? If you've been holding all offseason, so we'll use some examples. If you, you've you been holding a, a Derrick Henry, you've been holding a DeAndre Hopkins, right? Probably not the sexiest assets in fantasy because of age and the risk and oh man they're so old but you know what happens if they get hurt and now they're here they're scoring fantasy points and they're scoring fantasy points at a decent clip you have the leverage you're ready to move off of them what kind of package like how much do you leverage this to get what you want back like what does that look like for moving an asset like Derrick Henry what's that look like for moving an asset like DeAndre Hopkins are you initiating the offers are you going out to teams that you have identified as strong contenders or, or contenders for this year and going, yeah, like, let me get your, let me get a couple seconds. Let me get a, you know, let's see if I can, I think I probably, for me, I'm going to start with a first, 
like a late first and, and see if I can sell them on the it's a late first <laughs> idea and uh, we're so early in the season hopefully that falls flat on his face but what's like the downside for you like what is your your bottom dollar for moving off these guys yeah I mean I <clears throat> I think if you can get a first great I mean probably in most your leagues I, I think it's also league dependent though right so if we're starting a lot of players and you really think that Nuke Hopkins can make it for, through a full season um, and even in this offense, maybe he's not a a difference maker at the position, but if you're starting, let's say, 12, 13 players, shoot, he might be good enough to really make your team worse than a first. A lot of leagues, though, I don't think a first for those guys will get done. Not that I won't try it, but I think that's not what I'm needing to depart with these guys. If I'm wanting to rebuild and needing to get off of assets like Hopkins or Henry. So I think the first thing I'm going to do is I already <clears> – <throat> And I mean, you may not have done this, but for me, I'll already have a pulse. Let's say it's like, this is a team that I've contended with for a while and I'm looking and the truth is, it's just, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, man, I need everything to go right. And even then I probably can't win this league. So you're really looking to go in reverse, but the timing's tough. So I've already probably taken pulse. Like I've got count, I've got tallies on. Who, who's been inquiring about Derrick Henry but not giving me what I wanted? Who's been inquiring about DeAndre Hopkins or even other players on my team that are of this build I want to flip? So I'm going back. I'm going back. I'm, I'm going to go kind of roster bait, right? Like what happened to their team? Did they have Travis Kelsey or did they have Cooper Cup? Like if Cooper Cup's out for four weeks and we still don't even know when he's going to come back, maybe they think a Nuke Hopkins can fill the void to get them through. So maybe I'll go back. Okay, hey. Still interested in New Hopkins? What's the deal look like? I think that's one way to approach it. I think another thing that I've been doing a lot more uh, as my league portfolio is kind of picked up and a lot more, I'll just go ahead and fire them off. All right. <clears throat> I want two seconds in this build. Like, just that's ideally what I get back. Yeah. So, so let me fire this off to about seven, eight teams. They'll all get the same offer, relatively similar, you know? <clears throat> fire it off. All I need is one person to press accept. All I might need is even one person to press counter with something very similar back. Um, so sometimes deals like that are easy to get done if you just fire off a bunch. And you might just get either one person to bite or give you something back where it's just very similar and acceptable to you. I think one of the big things to note, though, whether you want to do a spree of offers, you want to kind of craftily talk DMs or whatever, whatever your approach is, I think what you have to be, be honest about with yourself because all of these players, like you said, are risky. If Derrick Henry was to get hurt tomorrow, what do I gain? And also assess how many of these players do you have. So, for example, if you need to flip four, five, or six of them, you could you get top dollar on every single one? Yes. But you really don't want to take on the risk of if you don't get top dollar on every one of those, one or two of them get hurt. Now you have to get top dollar on the other four just to retain. Right what you lost so that's another thing is sometimes just getting the ball rolling even if it's not exactly what you want maybe it's 80 90 cents on the dollar to kick off the rebuild sometimes that's necessary i also think too something else that i consider and at least this is me personally on how i craft my deals like the these similar ones generally i want draft capital and the reason i want draft capital is because draft capital doesn't doesn't carry risk adam so just the the general theme of it is what you're buying for picks now, in most cases, unless you're you're vastly overpaying, 
the the pick value is going up by the time we get to to rookie fever right as soon as the combine starts as soon as we start heading into that stretch towards the nfl draft and right after the nfl draft rookie picks are at their highest right people really want to want to get back on the the rookie train and that's all we're talking about so it's it's another psychology point right Right now, the vets, the people who are scoring fantasy points, they're going to be the hot names. And, and we'll be interested in the rookies, but a lot of guys will come out and, you know, have two catches for, for 30 yards. And, and we'll talk rosily about, like, well, look at the usage. But until the actual fantasy points are being scored, no one really cares. <laughs> no one really cares. The, the, the vets, the actual people scoring fantasy points right now are the hot topics. So if I'm in a rebuilder, generally I want to go to draft capital, but I'm not opposed to taking players back. Now, I want to take players back that I have a, think have a reasonable shot in increasing in value. So maybe it is a, a struggling rookie, a rookie that, that didn't perform as well as we thought right out of the gate. Now, for me, that's probably not going to be at the running back position because it's just a, such, a, such a dangerous proposition if I'm in a rebuild to like be taking running backs back because they have such a short shelf life. So I'm looking, you know, rookie tight ends. Rookie tight ends would be a good target for me. Not the ones who are producing right away. Like, I I don't think now would be a good time to go out and try to get Sam Laporta because the people who just watched him play on Thursday night go, oh, look at this usage. Sure. <laughs> look at the fantasy points he got. But uh, maybe like a Michael Mayer who got out snapped and, uh, you know, more targets, more routes run for Austin Hooper, old crusty-ass Austin Hooper. Maybe sure. Michael Mayer would be a good, you know, rookie ascending value type asset that you get back i think leave yourself open though generally i'm going to shoot for draft capital first if they have it because it's the safest thing but i also go to 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 rookie assets another thing just to keep in mind and how i like to to structure my deal is i don't really want to have to make multiple moves and what i mean by that adam is if i'm going to trade you away a Let's say I give you a package. We'll we'll go back to Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins. I'm giving you a package, Adam. You're a contender. I'm going to give you a package of Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins, and you don't have any draft capital or youth to offer me back. Like I really probably not going to make a deal with you because what you're going to offer me back may be guys that I could theoretically are are younger and I can reset the age curve. But on a rebuilder, I don't want those guys on my team either. <laughs> like I don't want 26 year old wide receivers on a rebuilder. Like I don't want that. I don't want that asset coming back to me going, oh, you're gonna give me back uh, Rashad Bateman and Sky Moore, and you're gonna give me all these like middling assets that really aren't gonna do shit for me or probably not going up in value. I gotta then turn around and flip those guys for somebody else. Like I then have to trade them again. I gotta make two moves off of this one move, and I don't like it. Right? I want to make one move, be the definitive. I don't want your hand-me-down pieces. Then that I gotta package together to somebody else to try to get exactly what I wanted in the end. So I think that's also some some things I see at least when it comes off when people are asking for advice about how to rebuild. Where I go, skip it. Like you don't want to be the middleman. No middleman. Make somebody else be the middleman. This is direct. This is this is buyer to consumer. You got what I want in draft capital. I got what you want in production. And let's make a deal. I don't want to. I don't want to be taking another asset on that I can't really feasibly see myself moving. Unless it's it's something stupid like Adam, you're gonna offer me, uh, you know, say Derrick Henry and and uh, DeAndre Hopkins was enough, and you got Cooper Cup who's hurting on IR. And I know for a fact that Joe Blow in this league 
is the biggest Cooper Cup fan in the entire world. <laughs> He'd pay an absorbent amount for a Cooper Cup. Like he, he knows as soon as he's back in week four, he's gonna I'm, I'm gonna get a first and a couple seconds out of this guy. Maybe in that case, I might be a little bit risky. But generally, those moves don't pay off because, you know, what if Cooper Cup doesn't come back in four weeks, or what if he comes back in four weeks and hurts his hamstring again, and then all of a sudden you're left holding the the bag. So, just a couple pointers I think about well, when I'm I'm running my rebuild. Yeah, I think I think though um, that that topic you just t- touched on is for me. I kind of want to everybody listening to that to the first fifteen minutes or so of this discussion, right? Like I, I almost in in a way, Mike, I want to go back to a little bit before this. Why do you rebuild, right? And the, the whole idea is when you rebuild, right? You're basically saying in the current market of my league. Like, I don't feel that my team really matches up well enough, and I don't have enough outs to compete here. So the idea is you're going to rebuild because I'm not able to currently compete. Anytime you're able to currently compete, I truly believe if that's, like, reasonable. If you are in the top four or five of your league and you're not that far off, like, if there's a, if there's a chance for your team to compete, I think more often than not, you should do that if you have the chance to, especially this early. The rebuild, though, the idea is you can't do it now, and you're going to try to build up assets so that you're able to get back to that table and now maybe even have a hammer to really make some noise in the, the competing down the road. It's just your time's not now. The reason I want to talk about that, and I think the big big point there that you need to realize is a lot of this is going to come down to league specifics for you, right? So, again, if you're in a league where you're saying, man, look at these top four teams, like not saying that maybe even two of them have a bunch of injuries and things happen, but what are the odds that I'm going to get through a gauntlet of all four of them, right? And you're just looking yeah. at your team's already not really in the mix and you haven't even hit injuries yourself, okay? That's the scenario. But that's how the the distribution of assets are in that that league, right? That may force your hand on a decision like that. And I think the same thing goes to the other end of it. And this is one of the reasons that for me, rebuilding early, that's literally what this podcast is talking about rebuilding early one of the keys can be if the roster distribution and the assets of picks are not picked over so what i mean by that is when you look across your league there's not one or two teams that are already like captivating 75 percent of the picks 50 percent of the picks in the next year or two because sometimes in, a, in an economy like that right the teams that hold all those picks aren't going to be willing to buy DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry. So now that's part of the problem. Cause I agree, by the way, like we're on the same page. I just wanted to kind of speak further to the point. I would much rather move Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, all these types and liquidate them for picks because it's flexible. It's guaranteed to go up and I can move them without injury risk. However, there may be scenarios where you have an older asset and there's maybe two buyers that have their picks left in the next year or two that can really give you something in capital. That's where it becomes very tough if you're rebuilding late. So I think that's one of the things I wanted to highlight. Not just what are you looking to get, but like really take a look at the distribution of assets and picks across your league and see who are the right fits. And if you're going to struggle here, this is where you're going to have to be very crafty with how you get deals done. I would say in most leagues now, now now leagues are getting smarter and more wiser in that you know we we kind of talked about this already where 
more knowledge base is getting out there and the edge isn't as great but i would say just historically in most average leagues adam at least I, what i experience is there's a lot of people who who don't really make a decision on their team until we're probably about week three week four week five week six like that's kind of where they go oh only won two games i'm, I'm two and three you know you know i'm two and four oh this isn't looking good like maybe i should uh maybe i should rebuild this is also part of the thing like if you've done your job you've identified this early but let's just say that you've held on to a few assets up until this point like you you decided in, in over the summer man if i look around the league these teams are all incredibly strong and i have zero chance like i'm not competing i am also like one injury away from this team just being in the in the toilet this is horrible i only got two quarterbacks in a super flex i got no reasonable option for a third i got some older aging assets now when i'm when i'm in that period in the summer adam i will sell the deandre hopkins the derrick henry's if i get an offer that's you know 90 95 percent of what i think they're worth at the time if i don't get it though adam i'm holding until they actually start scoring fantasy points because it opens up just in general in most leagues and i'm holding until the first couple weeks but there's also a ticking clock because i want to be the first one to really signal that hey mike's over here and he's ready to rebuild he's ready to tear this down i want to do that signal early in the season or you know possibly early in the the summer or the off season if it's feasible and the offers are right but i want to send that flare out that says I'm the one, you know, bring all the, bring all the scavengers. You guys come pick over this team for all the old assets that I wanted to move. But I want to send that out when there's the most amount of people with this, this thought in their head that, yeah, I'm competing or I'm going for it this year. Like I want the most amount of competition for the assets that I have for sale, right? I want to create that demand and I want the supply to be just my team. Like, I want to be the first one to market, essentially. I don't want to be the one who who comes up with an idea or a tool or anything after the fact somebody else already did it because then you're always chasing the original. So same kind of concept when you're out here and you're doing a rebuild. I want to be the first one to market. I want to be the first one that Adam's coming to going, hey, what's it take for that Derrick Henry? Adam, right, give you two seconds. It is yours. Oh, I don't know. Well, Adam, just letting you know that, that Steve stopped by yesterday and he asked the same thing about the price, and I gave him the same one. So the first one that sends me two seconds is hers. His. <laughs> Done. Here you go. There's the offer. There's that kind of uh, there's that, that market demand already, and that's what you can create. Now, as you get later in the season, sure, sure, you can probably still get some pretty decent prices, but as these contenders start to whittle down, there's going to be even less even less people that are in the market for for purchasing an asset like this so that's why i say doing it early and doing it you know especially with vet assets like deandre hopkins derrick henry like these kind of guys when they're scoring fantasy points within the first couple of weeks is the prime time to let them go because they're almost at full value for everybody in your league besides the teams who have have caved and gone rebuild and you still have all these potential buyers Later on in the season, like you mentioned earlier, Adam, too, the, the longer you keep holding them, the more you're running the risk of an asset going to zero off of injury. You know, Derrick Henry, heaven forbid, will knock on wood, you know, blows out a knee, pops a tire, and, uh, you know, because of his age, size, everything, being a running back, people go, well, that's done. 
It's over for him. <laughs> like then he's worth nothing. You're not getting anything. It's a dead asset. It's a roster clogger. So that's kind of where I'm at on the on the rebuilding scale. Like I want to get to market early. I want to get to market when there's the most amount of potential buyers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's where you know what that distribution looks like if it's not picked over. If you're in a picked over situation, you got to be crafty. Um, part of the discussion here is if you can be the person that picks over picks, right? That that's another thing. There's kind of two ends to think about this, right? If you have four, it doesn't even really matter the number. If you have multiple players that you need to move in a rebuild, I'm talking more than two, def- definitely. And you're saying to yourself, all right, there's a risk here from this player if he gets hurt, but I want to hold out for max dollar, right? I want to hold out for the max selling point because I think this player is worth so much to a contender. Part of where it's advantageous to sell now as well as even if it's a little light on what you think you might be able to get in a max case scenario. So not just the fact that one of them could get hurt, but there's also on the flip side of that, when you offload one, right? As long as you have your own current pick, this is one of the big things is if, do you have your own first essentially? Like you obviously want to have your second, all your other picks too, if you're going to drive your team down and make those picks early. But the other big part of this is with one trade, you, you, let, let's say in this scenario, you have DeAndre Hopkins, you have Derrick Henry. Give me some other guys in this scenario, Mike, you, you want to come off of. James Conner types. Like, give, give me something. Yeah, I mean, you probably throw like a Cortland Sutton in there, even though okay. he's not like super old. But as far as dynasty value, like uh, he ain't going up anytime Devon, soon. Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, yep. People like this. Stephon Diggs. Stephon Tyree Diggs, right? Hill. Yeah, I mean, and, there, and there's a lot of players that fit this this type of an idea. But let's say your team's not that built overall well like you you have clear holes in either quarterback and super flex whatever the case may be by the way the lens we're talking about with a lot of these trades are going to come from the super flex lens but let's say you have four of these assets and you end up moving right now derrick henry and let's say you want two seconds let's say that's really not going to happen let's say you get a second and a player that maybe was a second in value that you didn't really want to take on you know let's say that's a michael mayer right and a second round pick you know, something like that. That's not your ideal, but you're like, man, this is something I need to do because in a scenario like this, you're, you're, you're kind of, what you don't see is you're also getting leverage and you also, at the same time, like now you have another second or in a scenario where you get a first for a, a different player. Now you're getting pieces of a limited pie, right? It's a, it's a finite number of picks that you can continue to leverage. So let's say you have a, a, this second now, right? Now you have an ability to one, get a combination of picks that are limited, but two, people are going to see that to your point, Mike, you're having that conversation. Well, Steve just came in and said, you know, he might be interested at two seconds. And now you end up getting that person to make the deal. Now there's blood in the water, right? They see clear rebuilder. And a lot of times they'll see fire sale. I need to get there before all the assets are gone. So you might be able to now, even if you took less than you wanted, you may end up be able to make two more moves in the same week. Because people saw that, and you might also be able to get more leverage in the draft class. So now you have more bets on. I don't really even care which one of these teams finishes what, because I have a third or a fourth or a half of the picks, first and second round. Those type of things have extra value than just the one trade. If you can have that type of leverage in the draft class, I also too. There, there, there's so many times too I see with uh, with rebuilders they have. They have assets that 
I ain't moving. I ain't ever moving them. And I think the biggest mistake people make is, is having assets like that. Like, Adam, our, our philosophy, I know specifically my philosophy is anybody's acquirable at any time, right? Now, there'll be things on a rebuilder that I'm doing early in the season where there's some assets that I'm not so inclined to move, right? Like, I'm not just going to move them for moving sake just to make my team worse. Um, but I'll move them if you give me the offer. Like, Anthony Richardson, how about we use him as an example? I don't think we could have asked for too much more out of him out of his first start, right? I already carried an extremely high value. If I'm on a rebuilder, moving Anthony Richardson, I could do it. It's not, uh, you know, it's it's not detrimental to me if I if I kind of hit the reset. Just, to, but I got to get the 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 price out of a rich. Like I got to get the price that I demand out of a rich. And for me, if I just use that as a generic example in a Superflex League, Adam, you better come with me with three firsts. And if you're not coming to me with three firsts for Anthony Richardson, I don't have a lot of reason to move him. But, Adam, you came to me tomorrow and you said, I'll give you three firsts. I got these three 24 firsts. <laughs> I want to buy your Anthony Richardson. If I'm on a rebuilder, Adam, see ya. Gone. Like, I will let you take on all the risk of Anthony Richardson, one, getting hurt, Two, maybe in a couple of weeks, he looks horrible. <laughs> he looks like he's regressed and, and, and lost, and he goes through all these rookie struggles, and maybe that market drops. You know what's not dropping? Those three liquid firsts. Those three firsts that you sent me in draft capital. Because like you said, I've now diversified. I Hopefully I got my own, and now I got three other 24 firsts. I got leverage over the class. I got leverage. I'm the only one that's got a third <laughs> I got a third of this class in a rebuilder. Yes, I may be without Anthony Richardson, but who's pretty much the only guy that's going to be able to move up and down the draft board at will? Who's the only guy that if I really want to go try to make a run at a Caleb Williams, if I think Caleb Williams is better than Anthony Richardson, who's that guy who can make that run next year? It's going to be the one who's holding the four picks. <laughs> it's going mm -hmm. to be the one who's got all this draft capital. So I'm not even looking for it. You know, having a rich on my team versus having the the three first, having a rich is actually detrimental to me as a rebuilder because he's scoring fantasy points. He's in my lineup. He's he's in a best ball league. He's he's making my lineup and you know potentially causing me to win games and and make my own draft capital worse. <laughs> so it's, I would say I I'm not opposed to trading anybody, but I'm just saying if it's a young guy or a young asset like that, if it's a Justin Jefferson, a Jamar Chase, an Anthony Richardson, one of these young receivers, Alave, Garrett Wilson, like these type of assets, I don't have to move them. But you best believe I'm not going to move them unless you give me what I demand out of them. Now, the older right. assets, I think it's kind of implied, yes. <laughs> I want to and I have to move the Derrick Henrys of the world. I have to move the DeAndre Hopkins. Tyreek Hill is awesome, and I think he's one of the best dynasty wide receivers, and I could project him for another couple years, Adam, but if I had Tyreek Hill on a rebuild, I want to move Tyreek Hill. Now, can I get two firsts out of him? Maybe, but it's league dependent. I'd also be okay with settling for a first and you give me your next three years second round picks. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> Close enough for me, I'll move on from them. So I think that's something that you have to juggle with the rebuild is is asset management. What do I really want to get rid of? What do I need to get rid of? And what is a luxury for me to have that I can set the market on, on what I want for that asset? Sure. Yeah, I think, I think to... Um especially I, one of the things that I have 
um, given a lot more thought to in the rebuild process, right? Because I agree, in, in, in essence, there's essentially a price on almost everybody on my team if I'm rebuilding, uh, even if I'm contending. It's just I'm a lot more rigid in how you're going to get there, you know? But with rebuilding, there's typically a price on everyone that I'll move. However, there is certain caveats to that where it's, if I'm in a lineup start nine, let's say, and it's super flex, and because it's only start nine, there's like a, an extreme importance and the market is so different than whatever some fantasy calculator or some dynasty website or ranking page is going to tell you their worth relative to the market in this league. Th there may be a scenario like that where like I'm a little more, like I'm opting, a little more opting, wanting to hold on to Anthony Richardson. It's not that I won't move him. It's that probably in that format, I'm going to ask you to pay even more than three first. And I know that like that may not happen. So it's, right. There's, there's certain league types that I may hold on to a specific position of, of incredibly high value importance. Um, it's not that I won't move them. It's that I'm a little less aggressive. Like I'm a little more, um, choosy. I'm a little more selective with right. the type of the type of offers and the type of things I'm going to take back for said player in certain formats. But overall, the, the point you're making, I think is that you need to kind of evaluate. Okay. I need to rebuild. These are the three, four, five players that have to go. I think this is one of the things that Mike and I do when we kind of look at a team if we're going to do like a roster review, right? This is a, a good way to think about it from a rebuilding standpoint. Take a look at your team. You know you're not ready to go. Assess these things. Who has to go? And when I say who has to go, this is going to be players that realistically do not have an opportunity to really gain much value. They may be smashes for a contender, right? They may be absolutely point wrecking and league winning, but because of their age, their, their ability to get higher in dynasty value is only because they're going to just absolutely smash it in points per game. Cause every off season, they're going to get a year older and they're going to become crusty. They're going to become outside the top 10, 15 at their position. These are the type that need to go. Those are must goes because you are holding an asset that has a lot more risk to your build and is not doing what you want to do. It's scoring points to hurt your team from rebuilding, right? Those are in the must go category. Then you can look and there's probably a couple scenarios of the in-between. Like you don't have to move it. You can be a little more selective here, but ideally you want to move it, right? These are not half the goes, but if you can get the right market price, I would like to liquidate these two. Then you probably get to the the younger players or the, you know, in a lineup start nine or certain ones, the cornerstone players where you feel like this is what I'm going to build my team around. Those ones, you need to make sure you're extracting the correct value when you move them. There's probably a case in point to where all of them could be moved. It's just you almost want to make sure on your build to replace that, that you're getting back more than what market says. Uh, otherwise, it's more in your favor to hold them. So I think you kind of look at your team like that. If you can assess that and what those players look like, you'll really be able to go out there and just ha have a price war. Like I can tell you what all these players cost and they all can go if you're willing to give me what I need. How about we do this? To, to end the show here, I'm going to throw out some names and we'll decide if they what category they fill in. Oh, I love this. This is, this is Must perfect. Must go or should go. Right? I like this. All right. <laughs> Uh, I'll start at the quarterback position. <clears throat> Assets like Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield. Must go. Must go. Ryan Tannehill. 
My, I mean, absolutely must go. Matt Stafford. God, yeah, I, there's there is no there is no reason to hold those on a rebuild. Absolutely. Aaron Rodgers. Must go. I think there's just not enough time left. Um, and right now, like I could see in the off season, if you're like, yeah, I'm just not getting the value I want. These next few weeks, if you're not getting it, like it's not coming. You need to move it. Russ. Danger Russ. Mm, I'm going to say this is right on the border. Like I could make the case. <laughs> That's a good one. I, if you want to put it in the should go, I can see it. For me, he's really teetering on the must go. The, the only difference there is like it, I would say with Russell Wilson, because of it, his age is a little lighter. It's not like he's a young, spry quarterback, but – I if I'm not getting a price that I really feel good about, I'd probably say he's a should go. He's a must go if you can get market though. Like I, that's I guess the best way to put it. So he's in the middle. He is. He is in the middle. Like that's one I could make a case for another year or two out of him where his value ain't really going anywhere. Right. right? Like right. I don't think it's going up, but it sure as hell ain't going down. Aaron Rodgers kind of like you said that the age thing just puts it in the. Yeah, you must go. You 100%. Go. I'm not carrying that risk. All right. Running backs are going to be interesting, okay? Because I think the running back position is unlike any other position we have. So I agree. We're not going as crusty because it's so easy to go crusty and go, yeah, this dude should go. How about uh, we talked about Derrick Henry. Let's go a little higher. Austin Eckler. Oh, you must go. This is, a, I mean. Nick Chubb. Must go. Josh Jacobs. Must go. Najee Harris. Must go. Tony Pollard. Must go. Look how good of running backs that we just listed off there, and those all are in the must go territory. How about should goes? Can we find any of these? Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to say must go on a rebuilder. Jameer Gibbs. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, can, I, can, I, can I fast forward? Yeah. I'm going to say must go for every running back. And the reason I say that is you could probably make the case – for a Gibbs or for a Bijan on the should go, meaning if you can't get what market is. But I think here's the – I think one thing about this position, because I, I, we could go through all these players. I think, Mike, the answer is the same for me. Yeah. The caveats would be, to your point, these young rookies that either don't have a market. Like, Kendra Miller is probably not a must-go because his market's not very good. These guys are not, like, a must-go because how many people are really paying the full boat on Gibbs? On, on, Gibbs came on a down week, right? Yeah. But – the point I think I'm making for this position, the running back position, if you're rebuilding, this position is not your friend. This position, as far as the way that the community values dynasty, is the shortest. Forget what you think they can become in 26 and Aaron Jones is balling at 28. I, that's not the point. The point is the way that the community values this position. Look at Jonathan Taylor. Look at the entire 2020 class. Look at any... And look at all, you know, even the guys like Dalvin Cook and these guys who have been great for a long time. They, the way that the position is valued, it doesn't have enough shelf life and guaranteed locked in dynasty value for you to really want to hold those assets. Plus, any one of these guys, when they're smashing, when their running back is smashing, that's one of the most surefire ways to, to score points, which yeah. is detrimental to you in a rebuild, right? They're most likely to score points and they're least likely to hold value. That is a must go as a position. 
Gotcha, man. I could only make the case, and, and I, I've said this on other shows too, but the the only four running backs I can make the case we could put in this should go category would be Bijan and Gibbs. Those are two obvious layups. Sure. And and then it's going to be Brees and Jonathan Taylor, just because those two. Their market's so running. down. Okay, yep. fair enough. Yep. Well, let me ask you this. Um, so you Everybody have mu- you go. have musgos for like uh like a Kendra Miller, like these rookies that don't have a lot of value. Don't really care. Like whatever I can get in liquidity, I will take it. Okay. Well, the only reason I the only reason I say that I wouldn't necessarily put them in Musco's is like Kendra is a second in this year that you spent, right? Right. I mean, I don't even know if people are offering a, a future second. So, like, would you sell? Like, I guess that's my point. Is it's similar to the point you're making with Brees and Taylor to me um, that you might not be able to capture what you would actually need to move off and market. But I think the point we're making is all the same. Is that really any one of these and all of these running backs should go? Anyone you define probably in the should go versus the must go is going to be market dependent. Like if if, if you're in a situation where you can get market or higher on any running back in a rebuild, they should be gone. Do we agree yep. on that point? Like like Kendra's one, I guess technically you could put them like Kendra A chain like these guys. You can put them in the the should go category. Right, that's what want. I'm saying. Yep. I think you could put them in the should go category. But it's more so I'm not holding them for an entire year, Adam. Like I'm holding oh, fully them until, agree. Fully I'm agree. holding them until A chain breaks off a sixty yard touchdown run and people are buzzing and I'm going on the block, let's go. What do we got? <laughs> now we be, now he becomes a must go. Like, no, no, that, capitalize. That's actually a good uh a good way to summarize and make that point. It's anyone that's in the should go category for the running back, what that really means for me is that you're unlikely to capture their market or their market is very suppressed. So yep. it's not a good time to sell. And any one of those players immediately can be in the Musco category when the market switches off of a pop week or a pop multiple weeks, right? Here, that is the difference in the, the the running back position and which which one they're in. I agree. Here's a good one. We we talked people into drafting Kenneth Walker last year. We loved Kenneth Walker to death. Oh, we did. my goodness. Don't do we this did. to me. We again. did. We, it's thought true. He was, we thought he was incredible value. Adam, he was in that should-go category from the jump, though. And yes. at what point in the season when he became RB1 did we also flip him to Musco? If I was on a rebuilder with Kenneth Musco. Walker, I'm capitalizing anywhere close to RB1 overall prices. So that's a good example. Let's go to wide receivers. This one will be interesting. We'll start at the top. Tyreek Hill. Uh, Musco. Musco, okay. I think he's Musco especially now. Like, oh, it's not, of the market, it's not yeah. that. It's not even that, like, hey, if you think you're in a light rebuild and next year you're going to contend that, like, oh, I would never want to have Tyreek Hill. Yeah. To me, it's that, to your point, that the starting, we are scoring points, and he is scoring serious points. That's about as good as a market you're going to hope for for Tyreek Hill, man. <laughs> Shout out to my dad, too. I had to call and talk to him last night after the big Dolphins win, and he he was elated. But we also got into this Tyreek Hill discussion, and he was trying to convince me that he was only 25. I was like, Dad, I wish he was only 25. <laughs> he'd, he'd probably be dynasty wide receiver one if he was I was going to say, if he, was 20, if he was 25, there's a serious conversation to be had at one. <laughs> there is. It's like Jefferson or Tyreek, who you got? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's uh, – I, I like that. it, though. I, I, w- I wish I had that type of you know wishful thinking. Yeah, I wish I lived in that fantasy world. Stefan Diggs. Must go. Amon-Ra. Mm, should go. T. Higgins? Should go. I mean, um, th- those are almost close, though, Mike. Right. And th- the receiver position, let me, let me talk about this. We're saying must go and should go. I'm going to say these ones aren't, they don't have to go. Like, 
I would like to sell Amon Ra, but I think he is one of these guys that feels like he's always scoring more points and playing better than what the market's giving him credit for. And if that's the case, I feel like he's a young enough and safe enough asset that I don't have to move him. So I almost like for the receiver position in certain positions, quarterbacks, I'll put like another tier here. And I don't know if you agree or disagree here. This is a like can go, doesn't need to go though. Gotcha. You know? Yeah, I'm with you. I think those guys fall into it. How about two of a little bit different breed? DK Metcalf, Brandon Ayuk. You know, you know what's crazy? So I'm going to say those guys are can goes as well. Um, because I, I think both of them are now Ayuk's market. I'm interested to see after that type of a week one blow up game, how much it shifts. I think both of those guys are pretty undervalued in market. So I'm not feeling like I'm okay. capturing that much trade value. I think those guys, because of their current market are in the can, like can go, but, um, I don't know. Would you correct? Would you say there should goes because of their age? I think they're both risky because they're getting up there. Once you start approaching that, like 26, and you've yeah. been in the league for four mm-hmm. years, like you're approaching that second contract, you're also like, I'm not going to say one bad thing away from being <clears throat> nothing, but you're one bad thing away from hitting a dynasty value that you're not going to recover from, right? Like you're I agree. You looked at it in a different lens. Well, and I guess here, the reason I'm asking here, is because. Here's a good one for you. Okay. And, and this, I think, will be the transition. DJ Moore. I think he should be should go for sure. Right, like you need to get rid of him. Yeah, <laughs> like he, he's probably, probably he's probably must go. He he should go for sure, and he's. Right. I think you're probably trending must go for him. I was gonna say just real quick on the Ayuk and DK point because I guess here here's the big thing for them. Okay, let's say you're in this scenario. You're rebuilding. You have those guys. They're they're old enough to where there's risk, but they're young enough to where you're not sure. Like I think these are good discussions for those are types that I think people really are stuck and, and torn on because here's the thing you go to the market mike and I, I already know how you feel the reality is you're probably at most going to get a single first for these guys a lot of people won't pay more than that and if that's the case like i have a hard time just liquidating for a single first for one of those guys especially like when i was coming off of a big week like this so yeah. that's why i put them in the can go is it's i typically for what type of offers i'm going to get on the high end I don't see the the reward in flipping other than, you know, you're just hoping to bet against the team. Um, but I don't know if you if you kind of agree or disagree on that specific point. I agree with it. I think they're just above that that range. So yeah. uh, the ones I'll list off now, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin. Muscos. I, I think you can almost put those in the Muscos for for all of them. Like, yep. if I'm going to rebuild there, see ya. Especially for Calvin Ridley. Like, Calvin Ridley's a perfect case in point, right? You've been holding the offseason. You're saying, I'm not getting the offers I want. He's coming off an unbelievable week. This is as good as you can get. It is time to flip a guy like that. Uh, Ridley's a good call. Great point. So that would also apply, correct Correct me if I'm wrong, to Debo, Amari Cooper. Like absolutely. Are, Those know, are absolute must-goes. Chris Godwin? Man, I, I want to say must-go, but after the them winning and him not doing that much, it's probably market-dependent. But he's he's in the category of if I can get off of him, he's in the must-go category. I get you. And then a couple last ones because it would be interesting to get your take on these if you're on a rebuilder. Okay. Traylon Burks, Jerry Judy. I'm going to say should go because I would like to re-roll. Like we're at the point where I would prefer to re-roll because there's not enough provenness here, and I think there's enough name that I can cash out. So I'm going to say should go. Um, like must go is like – you have to sell them. I don't think you do because there's probably a lot of leagues where you don't get the offer. But I think if I can get like a single first for these guys even, I know it sounds crazy, but just re-rolling the time and getting off of injuries and 
profiles that if it doesn't hit have a lot less like there's not as much time for them to correct it i want to reroll those guys so i'm with uh i'm gonna go should go here i like that that's where i was gonna go too man i like like your thinking behind it yeah and for the for the same reasons they've had rougher starts to their career i know they're still young and you have that i'm not saying i have to trade them but if you're gonna let me out for the equivalent and i just get a shot again at getting another back-end first type wide receiver at worst that's yep. what I'm going to go with and exactly. just hope that that start for that receiver isn't as rocky and uh, as much question marks. Let's hope it's more of a start like Zay Flowers <laughs> with that back end there you go. first wide receiver. And you that, go, uh, nailed it, <laughs> hit it. That's what you're looking for. Right, and that, that, that's that's the type of thing. You get the you get the upside that if it hits, but if it doesn't, you get a little more time to decide. Whereas, you know, if that's the thing. Tennessee's offense right now and Traylon looking a little, not less than 100%, let's call it. I mean, there's a scenario where you're going into the next year like, man, this is kind of a make-or-break year for his dynasty value, right? And Jerry Judy, similarly, he's yep. had ups and downs, but that's the point you're making with those two. So I like that call. All right, last position, tight ends, Travis Kelsey. Must go. Come on, easy, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a must go. I think I think the reality is, if, let me ask you this, because this is the one thing that I think a lot of people will have disagreements or they want to, it's polarizing. There's a there's a case to be made that well obviously if you're gonna if you're gonna put them it's a must go right like there's yes the the only question I have and I think people sometimes in the heavy tight end premium leagues they're basically like I don't care if he ends up dying this year like I will never recoup the value of Travis Kelsey on a contending team even if I have to wait and if you think you can contend next year they'll just never get enough value out of him so that he's an immediate like will not sell uh, to the point you're talking about with players you will not sell. Travis Kelsey, heavy tight end premium league, like specifics, by the way, because if it's not heavy tight end premium, this discussion shouldn't even be out there personally, in my opinion. This should only apply to very heavy tight end premiums. Even then, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying, like, let's have the, the discussion. Is it is it, is it is it a case in point for you that you're not going to ever, like, recoup the value you should out of him so you'll hold? Or do you think just you got to just take the value you can get and kick the rebuild off? If if I'm in if I'm in a position where I have Travis Kelsey, if this is a best ball league, Adam, where I have no no shot, no shot at competing, right? And and we'll get into the best ball roster construction and everything like that, where you can see it. But let's just say if I'm in one, and and you'll know it, like I got no shot at competing, Adam. He's a must sell for anything I can get. Like I will take a first, I will take whatever because I need to rebuild and I can't keep delaying it. Now, sure, lineup league. Let's say I'm the sixth team. Like, if you were to do power rankings, that kind of yeah, in that middle of the middle back. of the road. Sure. Lineup. I'm more apt to hold on to Travis Kelsey if I can't get the value and kick off my rebuild. Like, if somebody's not going to give me two first for Travis Kelsey, even though I may be the sixth seed, for another year or two, I will play in the middle because of variance. But if I'm in a lineup league, also Adam, and I'm a bottom two, bottom three team, and I got no shot at really playing variance. Same thing as the the best ball answer. You give me any first and he's gone. I know it's not getting the value Travis Kelsey's worth in these heavy tight end premium leagues, but I'll just do what I got to because I need to get to the rebuild. So I don't want to play in that uh, 
I don't want to play in that, uh, you know, uh, I, I need I need the value, but I'm also holding on to an asset that's going to be worth nothing the minute he retires. Right? <laughs> like he's going to be worth some fab to somebody because they want to hold on to him like we saw with Gronkowski for, you know, every time anybody sniffs or hints about Gronk coming back, you know, that's all he's worth though is fab. Nobody's out here trading draft picks of, of any consequence. So, yeah. I think uh, I, I, he he's got to be a must go just generically, but I can see a case where if I'm kind of in that, I might delay a rebuild by a year just if I can't get the value for Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I think that's the the, the key. You need to assess one your league type and two how long this rebuild is going to take for you. Like if you're in a complete flip, by the way, like if you're talking your team needs more than a year to rebuild. Like, what are you really even waiting for? Um, this is the other truth. The last point I'll make on this must go, because I think cat, like categorically it makes sense. I think the one thing with a guy like him is I will, I probably with a Kelsey will wait until he's playing again to the point that you made. Like he's in the must go category for me. It's just, I'm not going to let you buy him right now when he's maybe took a little dip in value because he didn't play last week or something like that. Like, let me go out there and make sure the kid's playing. So you see, and you feel this is the guy that can help you win a league and be a positional difference maker. Now I want you to pay it. Now he's a must go. Like, but I categorically agree. He's gotta be, he's just too old. There's, there's too much risk as great as he is. And you might still right now be able to cash out for multiple first. Like you're talking about Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. Mm. Mark Andrews. I think I'll put in the, should go um like if you if you if you're should go or can go like you don't have to move him here depending on how big the tight end premium is i'm willing to do it i don't need to have him but you're probably because of the age for him gonna have to pay me a significant price because his age is so much different than kelsey's right one we've seen andrews compete with travis kelsey in points per game Travis Kelsey is so much older, though, right? On a rebuilder, it just doesn't make sense unless you you know you can compete next year and you're willing to take that risk. Mark Andrews, because of his age, does not carry said risk. So I'm going to put him in like that should go or can go category. Kyle Pitts, I think, is a totally different discussion. And I think the reason he's a different discussion is, okay, we're talking about Travis Kelsey's a must-go because eventually Father Time's going to catch up. And when that does happen, like you're talking about an asset that goes from a lot to a very small amount in dynasty value. Right. And I think the one thing you have to consider with that is what does the tight end position look like after Kelsey's gone? Because Kelsey has been such a difference maker. There's been some people that have been in the mix with him, but he's just been a completely different animal that totally kind of wrecks the tight end position and points per game. If there's a scenario where, let's say, Kyle Pitts, if you believe that he is going to be this elite difference maker, I understand for some of these people it's can go or I'm or can't go. Like I'm just not moving him. Mm-hmm. Personally, for me, he, he's not in that camp anymore. I would almost prefer to move him if I can actually find a buyer that will give me solid value on Kyle Pitts, and I'll replace tight end elsewhere. I don't have to wait and hope that he becomes that positional difference maker i'll just put in my lineup someone that's solid and just extract the dynasty value from him so for me he's going to be more in that should go category yeah yeah i would say i would put him in the should go and how about this for a, a hot take to finish it off every other tight end must go must go <laughs> every, every single one of them the only can- exception is in best ball just to make sure you have enough of them Outside right. of that, like specifically to player points, they're all must goes. They're all if they're coming off a spike week, 
Musgoes. <laughs> They're all if someone's willing to give you realistic value on them, Musgoes. Yep. Yeah, I don't care who they are. All of them. <laughs> Every single one of them. <laughs> it's like Adam a game Ram- of musical chairs, right? Like you can, if yeah. somebody wants this specific tight end, this is the guy who's been playing well this year. Here you go. You can have it. I'll find another one that's similarly cost and or or cheaper that I'm hoping gets similar production. So I'm 100 percent with you. If there's if there's anything to emphasize that more, Mr. Hayden Hurst tight end two on the week. <laughs> like, Mr. Hayden Hurst. I know Cody and I were just talking about him earlier, and I'm going, yeah, I see exactly exactly why I'm on this. Uh, you know, a warp opened it up for me, but I don't we, want these tight ends. You know who tight end one was? Yeah. Do Do you know who? Hunter Henry. <laughs> you know who tight end four was? How about that? Mm, it might depend on scoring a little bit, but what, what? who is it? Donald Parham. There we go, baby. <laughs> Donald Parham. But the Every thing is... Every other tight end, man, on the must-go list. TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle, Pat Robert, Dallas Goddard. Don't care. David Njoku. Don't care. Must-go. Yeah. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. I think they all... <laughs> Need to go. Um, especially, we're talking on a rebuilder here. I, I personally, on a contender, probably can make a case for all those other guys to go. But especially rebuilding, there's not. Re- it's not really worth holding on to said dynasty value for any of these tight ends that don't provide the difference-making ability at, at the position. And if any one of them got like a significant injury, they probably dip a, quite a bit in value. So it's not an asset I want to get caught holding in, in a rebuild. Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, those are the ones I think you can make a case for. Um, The rest of them I cannot. So that's going to do it, Adam. Episode 3, Canton Bound. Next week we'll come back. We'll talk about uh, contending early in the season and some moves. We'll get to the opposite side of this fence and smart moves you can be making and how to take advantage of those teams who are desperately looking to rebuild and may not be doing it the right way. So appreciate everybody tapping in. We will see you back here same time, same place next week on the Campus to Canton Podcast Network. Thanks, everybody. Out of here. Peace. Peace.